verse that I picked for this celebration comes from Matthew chapter 24, just verse 13. It says this, But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. This is the word of our Lord. Today on on Confirmation Sunday, um, some of you may be able to think back to your own confirmations that you were confirmed. About half of you, I think, that are here today were confirmed when you were in eighth grade, maybe another half of you later on in life as adults. Um, But I think that when you are confirmed as an eighth grader, I think it, I shouldn't say this, but I think it might mean more simply because it it took you a lot longer. In in regular confirmation class that we have, it takes around three years, two years at, at the least, around three, four for some of the kids. To be confirmed, that's a lot of work that they put into there. It's definitely a milestone for these, these kids who have put in so many different, so much work, so many hours of memorization, finished so many different worksheets, put in hundreds of class time hours with me and Pastor Tim. All of that work and preparation, it makes that day all the more special. And there's going to be a lot more milestones. There have been a lot more milestones in your lives, too, since the day you were confirmed. You can think of the day of your of high school graduation, the day of college graduation, and all the work and time that you put in, so that, which made those days even more special. The essence of these milestones really is that preparation. Um, when you prepare for something, you are thinking about the work that needs to be done in the future. And I think that makes sense, most of all, when we think about high school preparation. We learn things in high school to prepare us for the next step, college. And we learn things in college, which is more focused learning on what we are going on our career, a different career path. And just in general, all that education, all that preparation prepares you for life in general. But what about confirmation preparation? What is that preparing you for? See, I'm standing here in front of you today to say to you that your preparation for confirmation and your preparation that you do in in Bible study, in home devotions, is the most important preparation of your life, getting you ready for the most important difficulties of your life. And this is the reason why I say that. In the verse which I just read from Matthew chapter 24, That is a verse that is surrounded by difficulties in the end times in which we live. Let me give you a taste of what it says there. Just some of the highlights from that chapter that says what's going on in the world in which we live in now, the end times. It says this, starting in verse 6 of chapter 24 of Matthew, it says, There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines and earthquakes. You'll be persecuted, put to death, and hated by all nations. It says, uh, many will fall from the faith, betray and hate each other. False prophets will appear and many will follow them. The love of most will grow cold. It sounds scary, doesn't it? It sounds like a war that's going on. My brother, uh, many years ago, my brother went into the military to become a Marine. And after he finished boot camp, I went to California in Camp Pendleton to see his uh, graduation. And after, after the, the ceremony, he came up to me and he, he told me, he was just talking to me about the boot camp training and, and what he was going through. And he said that the training that he went through there in boot camp to be a Marine was 
different than any other type of training that he had received before. And I'll tell you why. Because we were at that time at war with Iraq. And he knew that eventually he would be sent over there. And he was, twice. He knew and he took that preparation far more seriously because he knew that his preparation was a matter of life and death. Well, our preparation to become confirmed and our continuing preparation as we study God's word is the same thing. It is a matter of life and death. You might be thinking right now, come on, pastor. Maybe you're exaggerating a little bit here, right? Things aren't as gloomy and and horrible as Matthew is trying to propose here in in Matthew chapter 24. I mean, we're, we're not in the middle of a war right here in New York. Sure, there might be rumors of war sometime. You might be thinking, well, no one's being put to death for their faith right here in New York. There's no earthquakes that we have to deal with right here. And I guess to that I'd say, well, yeah. Right here in New York City, at this time, we are blessed to not have to deal with some of the aspects of Matthew 24. But that's not the whole story. Look at some of the other things that he mentions there that we are going through. It says this. You will be hated by all nations because of me. See, do you realize what you confess on the day that you are confirmed in the Lutheran Church? You are not only united, joined together with a group of people at this church, as well as in our entire synod, but you are also separating yourself from the majority of people in the world. You are saying to the Muslims that their God is actually not a God at all. You are saying to the Buddhists that the peace that they are seeking after will never be realized. You're saying to the atheists that they are headed toward hell whether they believe it or not. You're saying to the Catholic and the Pentecostal that while you hope that someday you're going to be in heaven with them, you cannot join with them the right hand of fellowship because they hold to some teachings that are false. And so because of that, you separate yourself from the majority of people in this world and even the majority of some of your friends and family members. And that can be a major blow to your faith, can it? As you start to second-guess your faith, second-guess what you learned growing up or learned in confirmation class or in Bible study. It can cause you to second-guess your faith. That's one blow to your faith. And it says this, says that false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Now, it would be nice if false prophets would wear a T-shirt that said, I'm a false prophet, don't listen to anything that I say. But that's not the way it works, is it? See, false prophets aren't just people standing up in front of a crowd of people teaching something that is false. Sometimes those false prophets could be your friends. Sometimes they could be your family members. Sometimes they're going to be people who simply cause you to second guess what you always thought was the truth, what what it seems to say so clearly in Scripture. One more blow to your faith. Satan is going to continue to throw problems at you during your life. Problem after problem. And as one problem goes away, another problem is going to pop up. And then there's going to be temptations coming into your life. And those temptations are going to change in your high school years, in your college years, and later on in life. Those temptations are going to change, but the point of those temptations is always the same. To cause you one blow after another to your faith. As you think about all the blows that Satan sends against us, 
and this world sins against us. It's no wonder that Matthew says in this lesson that many will turn away from the faith. Sadly, many have. And it doesn't matter where you end up. You never seem to be out of the woods, does it, do you? I don't know how many of you know this. If you've talked to Sade about her confirmation, if you get a chance to talk to her later, do that. She's going to be going to Luther Prep. Um, she's one of the few students that we've had going to Luther Prep in, from our church. And um, Luther Preparatory School is a school in Watertown, Wisconsin. It's our synodical school that trains people to become pastors and teachers. And that means that she is going to be surrounded by Christian friends. It means that she's going to have religion classes every day, that she's going to have chapel every day. She's going to be in God's word. She's going to have good, solid peers with her. However, just because you're in that Christian environment doesn't mean that it is free of temptation. It doesn't mean that Satan doesn't pop his ugly head there, too. And that can cause a serious blow to someone's faith when they realize that. And as all of you know, that when you get out, whether you went to a public or Christian grade school, high school, or college, eventually you get out into what we call the real world. And the real world is full of people who do not believe what you believe, who are going to be skeptics about faith in general, who are going to cause you to second-guess your faith, yet another blow to your faith over and over again. See, the odd thing about this battle is that It's not just that you can't win the battle. It's that you can't even fight back against Satan. It's kind of like we have our hands tied up as we're in a boxing ring, and you don't know what's going to come next. The next blow that's finally going to put you on the ground or the bell that tells you that the match is over. So what can we possibly do so that we can follow what Matthew says here to stand firm to the end? What can we do? I'm not going to tell you now like some typical graduation speech that all you have to do is persevere, that you just have to be stronger, that you just have to work harder as if it's all up to you, because the reality is is that if it was all up to you, we wouldn't last a minute after the day of our confirmation. Satan's blows are simply too hard, and we are simply too weak. No matter how strong you may think your faith is, we are simply too weak. So how can we stand firm? After or During one of the last hurricanes that we had here in New York City, I remember watching on the news um, a weatherman who, you know how these weathermen do it when a hurricane comes. They go out on the beach as a hurricane is approaching, and there is wind, there's rain, and they try to speak, but he can't hear anything. And the cameraman, at one point, he panned down and he showed that one of the other cameramen was actually holding on to the weatherman's leg so that he wouldn't be tossed around by the wind. That's really what we see that's happening here in Matthew. It says again, that the, the very words of comfort found in this section of Matthew, it says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. What is the cause of the one who is being saved? Is the standing firm up to us? Is it up to our own strength? Or is someone else holding us up and keeping us strong? We say so simply sometimes that Jesus died on the cross to take away our sins. And think about what that means. 
that our Savior came into this world and he jumped in front of every blow that was coming toward us. The suffering, the beating, the whipping, the crucifixion, and all that pain, but even worse, the worst pain of all that he jumped in front of was the punishment from God, those blows that came from an angry God to pay for our sins. That's what our Savior jumped in front of for us. He took the brunt of it for you and me. And it was so powerful of a blow that it even knocked over the Son of God. But three days later, he came back to life. He got back up for a reason, and it was to hold on to you. We continue to get blows, not from God anymore, but from Satan, from this world, the temptations that this world offers. But the blows that we receive are different from the ones that Jesus took on. We're never going to have to deal with the blows of a payment for sin. That's already taken care of. That's done for. But now our Savior is with us. He's holding on to our legs. He's keeping us strong and firm. Sometimes he softens the blows. Sometimes he causes those blows to completely miss us. We have no idea how many difficult times have been missed because our God said, no, you're not going to have to deal with that one today. See, we don't have to worry about the problems in our life as they come up. Because our Savior is holding on to us so that we can stand firm with his strength. He first held on to you on the day of your baptism when he called you his child. And he hasn't let go of you since. And since that day, he put in front of you different opportunities so that you can hear God's word and grow in faith and understanding of what, is, of what the scriptures say. And on top of that, he gives you the Lord's Supper so that you can be more and more strengthened in faith. And understand what that term means when we talk about being strengthened in faith. Who's being strengthened? Is it it our own strength? Well, what does being strengthened in faith really do? It opens up our eyes so that we can see more clearly the one who really is strong in our life. The one who really is holding on to us. We haven't gone yet this summer, but every summer we go to the beach. And after five kids, I know exactly how it's going to go. Every year, it's the same way. It's always kind of an emotional roller coaster for us, especially for one of my children who um, is, when my children are two to three years old, that time frame. So now it's Lily's turn to do the same thing that all of them have always done when we go to the beach. See, what has happened is all my other girls, they're going to run into the water, and Lily's going to want to go too. So she's going to grab my hand and slowly creep up to the water. One of the ways is going to push her away. Then she's going to grab onto my finger a little bit tighter. Then the second wave is going to come, and it's going to hit her a little bit harder, and then she's going to grab my entire leg. Then the third wave is going to hit her, and then she's going to cry and grab onto my entire body and tell me that she doesn't want to play in the water anymore. <laughs> That's the way it's going to work, I guarantee you. See, if, if children would simply understand that it's not about how tightly they hold on to me. What matters is how tightly I hold on to them. On this confirmation day, on a day when we consider our God who's holding on to us, we realize we have absolutely no reason to worry because our Savior has us in his grip. And there isn't any type of blow that could come from Satan that could loosen that grip on us. Amen.
please stand.